Welcome, everyone. Welcome, everyone, to the Max Schmarzo podcast. I appreciate you all tuning in, friends. Thank you for joining me today. We have some fun topics today. We'll be talking about training every single day and how we can do that. What's the process like? I talk about it quite a bit on other podcasts I've been on about my athletes and how we train just about every day, sometimes multiple times a day, every day. I'll talk about how we get to that point, what process, what the kind of, uh, um, landmarks we use to make sure we're moving in the right direction. What are our stepping stones in that way? Um, and then we'll talk about if we have time, one special topic, that's a kind of fun topic, but that is if we have time, it's about uh, maybe the best diet idea ever period. And then, um, it's an awesome one. It's about pizza and calories. It's, it's the smartest thing ever, but we'll talk about that if we have time. Um, so first and foremost, I want to talk about, Oh yeah. My sales pitch forgot. Always forget that. Um, always an athlete training team. We try to run fast. We try to jump high. We lift our legs to be explosive. I like playing basketball. I like playing rec league basketball. I like playing my rec league basketball more than maybe even working out because I work out to help support those things I like. I don't, if I wanted to work out just to be more muscular and look good, have huge arms, I guess. I would train a little bit differently, but I like to be able to run, jump, and sprint. I also like the way that makes me look. So always an athlete team. We do upper body twice a week, sometimes three times a week. We do get jacked. We do high rep biceps and high, <laughs> high rep um, side raises, and we bench press heavy, but we also run, jump, and sprint and do all those fun things as well. Again, I made it as a former athlete. I wanted to keep training like an athlete so I can keep being an athlete just because i out of college doesn't mean I don't get to be physically able anymore. I want to still move, run, jump, and sprint. So that's why I made the team. We have a seven-day free trial to the Always an Athlete team. It is on Train Heroic app, seven-day free trial, Train Heroic app. Join the team. Check it out. If you guys like it, stick around. I appreciate y'all. All right, cool. So that's my sales pitch. We're going to be talking a little bit about how I get my athletes to train every day. I know. What? What? No way. You train every day. Are you insane? Maybe. Maybe I just am. Dun, 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 dun. Or maybe most athletes already train every day. And so it's not too out of this world to think about us lifting and jumping and moving and running every day. A lot of them work on their skills every day. My gosh, you ever been with a professional athlete? They'll do like one, two, let me just count my head. Uh, probably 12, 14 skill sessions, shooting, dribbling, live actions in a week. That's a lot of work, man. They already do a lot of work. They're great at it. And so when it comes to our lifting, because I know they're already doing a lot of work, I don't want to, on any given day, dump a huge load of work in a single session. And that's kind of where this idea came from. It was like, how am I going to get these guys to lift enough at the same time, actually lift, like get stronger and put on muscle while managing around their ridiculous training schedule. And that's where the idea of, well, maybe if we actually trained more. And um, it kind of started on accident. So I had Reed Travis here a couple of years ago, a year, a year ago. And um, I have a weight room in my basement. I'm trying to exactly walk through how I did this. And I didn't have a field work, so we didn't have turf here. And so we ended up lifting in the basement and then doing our turf work at the facility next door. And so 
it almost became like a two a day in of itself. Um, just because we had a break in between and we took that break. And so, but we, we would actually start some days on the turf there. I, I lie. And it became a little more structured and Reed was a unique case because Reed we were doing a lot of movement with. And so um, you could sneak a lot of his training on the turf. Wasn't as much weight room work. He was really strong. I guess AJ would be a better example of how we actually lift, lift uh, all this as often as we do. And a lot of it is because of that turf situation. So we'd lift in our basement and then we would go to the turf and do our movement. And because I had the weight room back at my place, we'd lift, we'd take a break, we'd go to the turf, but then I didn't want to lift again right after that because it would take too much time. It'd be a lot of running back and forth. And so we started going through this process and it just shook out to be like, look, we're going to do like these 20 minute lifts, these 20 minute workouts, maybe even 30 multiple times in a day. And it became very, very doable. These are professional athletes, right? These are guys who, um, AJ was not a professional at the time, but it was a summer. So these guys have a lot of time to do the work they need to do. And they stayed at the house. They're very committed. It was long days, but they put the time in. And so the way it looked, I'll just break it down structurally really quick. In the morning, we have breakfast. We'd have our first lift. Our lift consists typically of no more than three total exercises in that first lift. Depending on the type of day it is, and it was, um, we would do like more of a primer, a primer as in like it's power work to get us ready to make sure that we can be handling the field work. We would do specific field work, again, 15 to 20 minutes, um, maybe even turn that into court work and related to the athlete's goals. And then we'd have a lifting session in the afternoon, more traditional lifting, again, about 15, 30 minutes. And so, and then in the day is probably only a 90 minute workout just spread out throughout the day. Now, what's really interesting about this is that the way we, I got people to buy into this and do this and make sure we don't do it too much loading was being very clear up front. So there are kind of three stages, and those are the three stages I want to talk about, about how we got here. So stage number one, the first week when they come in, we just get through the week. I'm not concerned about intensity, volume, and effort. I just want to see the movement patterns. I want to see us get through the lifts. I don't want any fatigue. I don't want any soreness. I don't want any huge stimulus from the lifting itself. Just going that many times is going to be enough of a stimulus. I don't need to then add on the stimulus of actual heavy intensity, heavy loading. So one of our workouts might be just a force velocity profile. One of the workouts might just be a lot of sets and reps, a lot of sets, not many reps. Um, on one of the movements, one of the workouts might be trying lots of different movements. During this first week, there's lots of communication. We talk about how we feel. We talk about any aches and pains. And the number one goal is to avoid soreness. We don't want to accumulate soreness during this first phase. This week and a half or two, it's typically a week. It could be two weeks. Is just to get through the movements. Um, just doing them enough and doing them this often, they will make progress, especially as someone who hasn't trained as much. Um, so we go through the lifts, we go through the movements, we get used to it. So goal number one is just building the capacity to do, the ability to do. And that is something that is so overlooked in training. And this actually sets the foundation, I think, in my opinion, to lift in season. We're building the capacity to lift. We're getting used to what it feels like of different intensities every day, how to be aware of our body over a time period that is greater than just one session over a week so we can manage it. We are trying, I'm trying to teach these athletes that look, they come from a background sometimes maybe in college where they had to lift one day, 
another day off, another day. And that one day is really fatiguing and really tiring. So that they associate a good workout with lots of fatigue. I just want to communicate to them, look, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. This is what I'm focusing on because in season, I don't ever want to apply a massive stimulus. I'd rather apply a continuous stimulus. That's very easy to manage versus like almost like a, a constantly running faucet versus like some sort of water balloon smashing or something. That's a really weird example, but one's a burst of water and one's a constant stream. And if we can have a constant stream, we can manage the outflow much easier versus just these bursts of water or loading on us. It's very hard to handle. So getting through the workouts is number one. And during that time, we learn the workouts. Number two is we'll add in more demanding workouts in the second, more demanding exercises in the second phase. Again, not being so caught up in the intensity and the loading yet. But now we're like, okay, we've done the workout. We got through it. We know how it feels. All right. Well, there's actually about three or four more movements I wanted to add. Maybe it's some plyometric movements. Maybe it's a certain type of loading. Maybe it's like a heavier isometric. Maybe it's a heavier uh, max, near, not near max effort, but a heavier max strength stimulus. We're going to add those in. So basically the same week, then we're going to apply the stimuli again, but a little bit more. So, but these are typically in the form of other exercises. Um, like, okay, an example would be a good question guys for asking, because Max, what are you talking about? Well, maybe in the first week, we didn't really do, um, we're going to do drop jumps, let's say, just pick a random exercise. Okay, cool. Well, I haven't done drop jumps yet during that first week. We just got through the movement patterns. And then the second week, maybe during that first week, we did some like itty bitty version of a drop jump, or we did some itty bitty version of um, like a, a speed Bulgarian, or we did some itty bitty version, like a very minor version of a, a reactive trap bar jump. In that next week, we're going to actually fully do those movements. So now we've added the stimulus of the movement being done like it should be done. First week is just learning the movements. Second week, we're really doing the movements. You might have an additional movement that you've added in, or you might have moved on to whatever progression of a movement you ultimately wanted to get to. For example, if I'm going to teach a reactive drop jump on a trap bar or whatever, maybe we just practice the oscillation pattern that first week. We do a couple of really submaximal ones. Next week, we're actually going to do the movement. So now we're doing the movements and we're doing the workouts and the workouts now are kind of complete in the sense they have volume, they have intensity, they have loading. So what's next? Good question. So now we've added in the um, first one is get through the workouts. The second one is to make sure we have all the exercises at play in the workouts. Obviously next after that, the easiest option is some form of intensity or volume. So either the workout and the movements are now going to be pushed to improve some sort of metric speed, or we're going to increase the volume if someone's trying to build their plyometric capacity, or it might be something coordinative. That person is not really a goal is to be plyometrically elastic. They're not trying to be super strong and powerful. Yes, we might work on those qualities because we want to maintain them. They're trying to work on coordination and smoothness. We might be adding that aspect in. So it's kind of like this three-stage process of getting to the point where we can work out every day. And during that time, I emphasize being cognizant of your workouts. Where are the aches and pains? What movements feel good? What movements don't feel good? We want to constantly be learning. If we're a week and a half in and we don't like this movement, so let's put a new movement in. I'm not married to any exercise. No single exercise is really that important especially in the weight room. So if we want to adjust one, I need to talk to the athlete to understand how they feel. It is at 
times a guess and checks process. But I'm not the checks. I guess the athlete checks. I'm not the athlete. I can't possibly know how it feels. So I want to know from them, how do these movements actually feel? And so as we're doing this, movements, how we're feeling, expectations of fatigue. You're not going to be fatigued probably in the first couple of days. The back end of training, the, week, the days three, four, maybe four, five, maybe five and six, we don't do seven, maybe four and five are the days that you're tired. Those are the days that you might be most fatigued. And being aware of that, when we get to days four and five, if we aren't fatigued or if we are fatigued, that is information. I don't want day one, two, or three to accumulate fatigue if I have four and five still to come. Because remember, fatigue is accumulated over time. On top of that, these athletes are doing skill sessions. So we got to understand if there is fatigue, where is it coming from? Is it from the skills? Because if an athlete came into your workouts and they're like, look, I want to start all this training at once, you might be like, mm, let's not go every single day off the bat because you're just starting every single day in your skills work. Let's do everyday skills work for maybe a week and a week and a half. During this time, we can do one, two, three, four workouts, maybe at most, more like three during the week. We'll do three workouts. Okay, cool. Now we can go to four to five workouts. Wonderful. Now we can do four to five workouts. And you can do um, maybe an additional workout here and there during the week. You might do your 20-minute one before skills. You might do a little different one after skills, but you're building the capacity to handle it. And in that route to it, you can find the weak links. Is it nutrition? Are they not eating enough? Are they not sleeping enough? Um, you can start to have information, but it's a, it's a staged process. And it's not infinitesimal. We're not going to work out more and more and more forever and ever. But the fact that we have a larger allocation of days and times to work out means no one single session is too fatiguing and too tiring. And that's really important in my eyes because a lot of the sessions we do in the weight room are also skill or movement training. Some athletes need to train their movement qualities and movement qualities that they're not using on the court in their specific skill workout. And when I talk about that, it's going to be in something in terms that's limiting their skill. So I might have an athlete who feels like in certain positions, they struggle. But if you put them in that in a skill setting, they're just going to keep biasing how they know how to succeed. So we might use our movement time to train some of those sport-related skills, but in a disadvantaged position, not directly contextually related to the sport. We're not on the court doing finishing drills, but we're training the movement pattern that they will use when they try to develop that new skill. Like, hey, whenever I'm doing an X, Y, and Z of trying to finish, I'm too upright. Well, we talk about why you're too upright, because maybe I don't use my legs enough. Okay, well, I'm going to go and teach some plyometric movements where we're going to focus on a lower position, using our legs, trying to be at a wider base. And then we're going to be cognizant of this as it gets better and use that in the skill session, as opposed to just arbitrarily throwing it into a skill session and saying, let's just finish like this. If I think they have a physical limitation in terms of that finishing ability, they're not actually able to get in those positions because of motor pattern or because of the muscles are not strong enough to hold those positions. Just trying to force feed that position and skills makes no sense. But once they start to develop those positions outside of the weight room, then we can actually use, I mean, in outside in the field or wherever we are, I guess this place outside the skill session, then we can use it in the skill session. So to think of lifting as only resistance training is incorrect, working out as a whole, some of the emphasis is towards that coordinative pattern. And that's why I like some of the higher volume in terms of day-to-day-to-day -day 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 work, because like learning a language, we're learning a movement. 
not everything is going to be centered around resistance training and heavy lifting. A lot of what we're trying to do is educate how we move. It's going to be related to a learning process that might be similar or at least in parallel to that of learning the piano or learning a language, where if we just did it every other day in some very systematized or some very isolated fashion, we might not get as much, uh, we might not have as much progress as we could if we did a little bit a lot. And but I do, and I am aware that you can't just infinitely keep doing movement pattern training because there is some loading on the body. And so that's why we have to organize it and treat it as a quote unquote workout. Because if I do 25 reps of low position, even if there's 70% effort jumps with different, you know, patterning because we're trying to work on powering through a low position that's related to a skill. Well, that is a muscular load. So that's why I like to do this many days because maybe I do want 30, 40, 50, 60 total of those kind of jumps throughout the week, but I don't want to do 60 jumps in one day because you'll be exhausted. So I want to try and find a way to expose yourself to those movement patterns without having the fatigue associated with exposing yourself to that movement pattern a ton on any given single day. Plus it allows us to be exposed to it numerous times throughout the week. So hopefully we can maybe learn a little bit quicker um, because we are getting a higher exposure rate. So I hope that makes sense. And that's how I think about the training uh, everyday kind of deal and why I do it the way I do. Now you might not agree with it. You might like some of it and take it away and be like, look, that's stupid, Max. But some of the stuff that you said, I can apply in my setting. I can't apply even in my setting, Max. I don't have the time. Well, that's okay too. Um, I just want to share it what I do because you probably see snippets of it. So we'll end it there for now. And I want to talk to you about the greatest dietary invention ever. Let's take a moment here. Now, the purpose of a diet is you're going to have certain macros and micros. Typically, we just talk about macros here in this case that you need to consume fats, proteins, and wow, I can't even think carbs. My goodness, blank. Um, and I've always wondered you know, people do meal preps, they have all their, you know, foods laid out for the day, they weigh it. What if we were to try and find a way to take all your meal prepping, your macros that you create, and place it into a single meal that can be consumed throughout the day. And the single meal is the allocation of all your macros for yourself, all your fats, proteins, and carbs. I was like, man, what could actually pull this off? I came to the conclusion a pizza would be the best. We could have some type of pizza that contains all your macros, carbs, fats, and protein in that pizza. Then based on your goals, if you want to lose weight or gain weight, you might add a piece, you might take away a piece, but that pizza is the allocation of all of your nutrients needed calories needed, fats needed, proteins needed. This pizza would represent your entire, entire meal consumption for the day. So if you're hungry, you can snack on it. If you're not hungry, you don't need to eat it. And you can wait to have a big meal at the end of the day. You can have a small breakfast, a big breakfast, whatever you want. You have all the control of how you consume this pizza. I think this could work. I think it might be the single greatest dietary invention ever. Because imagine you're just trying to lose some weight. Oh, I'll just eat one pizza, one piece of pizza less. So you have the whole pizza there. You've made it all. It's been pre-made. You know how many calories that is. 
And so now you can just simply get rid of one piece or you want to gain some weight, you're going to add a piece of pizza. The idea of it being a pizza makes it so easy to manage and probably very possible to pull off. You could have the pizza be thin crust or thick crust based on the amount of carbs. The number of toppings and vegetables could represent um, your protein and your veggies, the cheese and whatever not. Oils can represent your fats. It might be the one thing that could actually do this. So there's a listener out there who has an idea on how to pull this off. I'd love to hear about it. Because I think this is the greatest dietary invention known to man. And I'm really disappointed it hasn't been made yet. I came up with this idea myself. I was told that the inventor of Dilbert, the comic books, had a similar idea. He made a burrito that was attempted to be the same concept. But I don't know if I agreed with the macros he put in. And apparently it was disgusting. So I think a pizza would be the way to do it. Pizza, macros, all in one, just the pizza party diet. You can add as much as you want, as little as you want to it. But over time, you can adjust it to your needs and your demands. Hmm. Think about that. That might work. It really might. Will it work? I don't know. It might. Let me know what you all think. I appreciate y'all listening. I hope you enjoyed. Take care as always. Thanks. Peace out.